want you to get your Bibles ready now. I'm going to show you some verses you'll want to mark in the Scripture uh, in these days and open your Bibles again to Isaiah chapter 41 where he repeats a phrase in verse 10 and verse number 13. He says, Fear thou not in verse 10 and fear not in verse number 13. I have these underlined in my Bible. I have long known of the fear nots of the Bible. I have studied on several occasions every time that phrase or a form of that phrase is found in the scripture. However, it was recently that I recognized when the fear nots were given. And that's what I want to call your attention to. When was it that God said, fear not? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word this morning. And Lord, how we need it and how we hunger for truth. Lord, as cool water in a time of thirst. Oh, how we hunger for the truth of the word of God that brings us security. And Lord, it brings us peace and it brings our faith to strengthen our lives. I pray that you would bless with the power of your spirit that I may preach the message in such a way that it may be understood with the mind, but Lord, that the Holy Spirit would use it down deep in our soul and to affect not only our thinking, but our behavior as a Christian. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Isaiah, of course, is a book of prophecy. It is a powerful book, and prophecy simply foretells events. Aren't you glad that you have a God that doesn't just tell you what happened in the past, but you have a God that tells you what's going to happen so that we can be prepared both emotionally and physically, mentally, and in our ability to face the things that are to come. The theme of this passage of Scripture is summarized in these two verses and basically in the two phrases of fear thou not, and then in verse number 13, fear not. Now these introductory statements are very important to understanding the truth of the message. First of all, I want to point out that God is speaking to his righteous remnant in these verses. He is not speaking to everyone. If you're here this morning, you're without Christ, you ought to be afraid. In fact, you ought to be very concerned not only for your life but your eternity and you ought to put your faith and trust in God for fear can only be dispelled by faith in Christ. All other false peace will do nothing but increase your fear when that false peace is discovered. And so God is speaking to his righteous remnant in these verses and he is telling them and he is encouraging them to fear not. Now why would they fear? And this is the purpose of the message. We know that God says fear not, but when was it? When is it that God speaks to us and tells us to fear not? Well, if you look at the book of Isaiah, you'll find that Isaiah is prophesying of terrible and difficult times of judgment that are to come on sin. 
Now specifically Isaiah was talking about uh, the Assyrians as they would come and destroy not only the northern kingdom but eventually would destroy Judah. And God is telling them that judgment is going to come because of sin. And he says to the righteous remnant, when that judgment comes, are you listening? When the judgment comes, my instruction for you is fear not. Fear not. I'm not in control just in the good times. God is telling us I'm always in control. And when your faith is found, the resting place of Christ and his word, you can fear not. Now the book of Isaiah is an interesting book. It has 66 chapters in it like the Bible has 66 books in it. And in many ways it is a summary of all of the Bible. Let me give you just a simple outline. When you read the first 12 chapters of the book of Isaiah, you'll find that there are sermons of Isaiah and they're preached against the sins of Judah, the sins of Israel, and he tells them, if you don't change your ways, judgment of your sin is going to come. Then he turns his attention after chapter 12 and chapters 13 through 23. uh, The burden of judgment is given to the nations of the world. And God is saying, I'm not just a sovereign God when it comes to Jerusalem or when it comes to Israel. I'm the sovereign God of the whole world and I'm in control of all things. When you come to chapters 24 and 27, you have some songs that are talked about by Isaiah and they are for the future glory of the nation of Israel. Chapters 28 through 35, Isaiah pronounces woes against the sins of the people. Chapters 36 through 39 is a historical interlude. It is just a pause. That's when Hezekiah was the king and he, pre- uh, he prevented the Assyrians during his time of a righteous leadership. He prevented the Assyrians from coming into and destroying Judah. That ended when Hezekiah's righteous reign ended because the righteousness of the people ended. And hear me well, sin may have pleasure for a season, but all the price is terribly high. And that's what Isaiah tells them. When you come to chapter 40, things change. And I love all of these chapters, 40 through 66, because in chapter 40 through 48, you learn of God's greatness. We serve a great God. We serve the greatest God. We serve not a king, but the king of kings. We serve not a Lord, but we serve the Lord of lords. His greatness is given in chapters 40 through 48. God's grace is proclaimed in chapters 49 through 57 which also is a slight picture of where you and I are living today in a day of grace. 
You see, when Jesus comes again, the day of grace will end. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. That's why the Bible says, boast not, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And Isaiah, in his prophecy, not only of Assyria, but God's coming judgment on the world, speaks not only of his greatness, but speaks of his grace in chapters 49 through 57. And in the book, is concluded in chapters 58 through 66 talking about God's glory. May I say today there are some who worship the name of Christ. There are others who curse his name and there are those who mock his name. Oh, but hear me well. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. Now what a wonderful and an interesting book this book of Isaiah is and in this particular story in chapter 41 Isaiah is telling them exactly what is going to happen judgment is going to come now when you study these uh, uh, verses and the chapters before you'll find that they're much like what's going on in our world today in fact history does repeat itself as you find not only in the scriptures but since the day of the scripture history continues to repeat itself. God calls men to serve him in righteousness. Men think they're smarter than God and they can find their own religion. They can find their own way. They can do their own thing and they find as all have from the beginning uh, their way is the same as the broad way and it leads to destruction. Thank God there's always been a righteous remnant and there will be to the coming of Christ of those who decide I'm not going to listen to the advertisements of the world. I'm not going to believe the deceptions of Satan and all of the bright lights and all of the shiny things. I'm going to be, uh, believe God when the sun shines bright. I'm going to believe God in the darkness of the night. I'm going to trust in him and God always blesses his people. You studied these chapters, you would find it would seem like what's going on in our nation today. Deception became the norm. What people wanted to believe is what the prophets would say. They wanted those who would tell them what they wanted to hear. Enemies of truth and riot and common sense were everywhere. Sin and evil grew and multiplied. Wrong is called right. Right is called wrong. The spirit of Antichrist is obvious in our world today. And we know that judgment is going to come on this nation just as the Assyrians did come and destroy Judah and just as Isaiah is prophesying for the world. And as that time of judgment comes closer to America, just as the time of judgment was coming close to the nation of Israel, don't miss it, it seems that God whispers to his righteous remnant, you fear not. Even in judgment, I'm going to take care of you. 
Excuse me while I get excited, but dear friend, as the fears increase and the deceptions increase in our world and all of the things that are taking place that we shake our heads out and wonder where in the world is common sense, let alone righteousness, and we look at those things and we wonder, we hear the God of heaven proclaim from his throne on high and say to those who have faith in God and those that are serving him, fear not. In fact, if you'll take a journey through the word of God, you'll find that there are at least three major reasons that God's people were in fear or should or could have been in fear when God responded to them and said, fear not. For example, in times of need, God's people would fear and God would say to them, you don't have to fear. I can take care of you. In times of coming judgment, they would fear and God would say to them, you don't have anything to be afraid of, I'll take care of you. Not only in times of need or in times of coming judgment, but in coming of death, people would fear and God would say to them, you don't need to fear, you're not going to die, you're going to depart to a new place. And so I declare to you today, you and I are given the fear knots of the Bible, not just to make a plaque out of, to put on a wall, and that's a good thing to do, but to put in our hearts in the times of fear is when he whispers, peace be still. In the times of fear is when he says, fear thou not. In the times of danger, that's when God says to his children, fear thou not. Now think with me if you will and if you'll take your Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 15. We'll walk through just a few of these and visit a few of these places and see when it is when God says to fear not. In Genesis chapter 12, you're going to chapter 15 and you're going to verse number 1. In Genesis chapter 12, God has promised to Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. I want you by faith to leave your homeland, the Ur of the Chaldees. And I want you to go to a land that I'm not going to tell you where, but I will show you, you just follow me by faith. And so Abraham leaves his homeland, the Ur of the Chaldees, and he begins to make his journey to a land that God promises to guide him. And God tells him, he said, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. From Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 15, years have now passed. He is not the father of a great nation. In fact, at this time, he has not yet had his first son. Others would say of Abraham, Abraham, you've put your faith and you've put your hope in a false promise. You've put your hope in a false God. Abraham, it looks like you misunderstood God. I want you to notice the assurance God gives to Abraham when others said it's time to fear. When others say God's promises have failed, the Bible says in Genesis 15, 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying fear not and I love these words I am thy shield I love that a shield that's a good Bible verse you know what a shield is for it does not keep arrows from being thrown at you it does not keep the devil from hating you it does not keep you from having enemies 
He's my shield, but it does protect me from the arrows that would hit me. He said, Abraham, I am your shield. And when the arrows of doubt are fired against you, I'll be your shield to stop the arrows. And when the accusations against me come toward you, Abraham, fear not because I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. He said, you deflect the doubt by faith in me and you keep faith in the promise uh, that I am going to make you the father of a great nation. Now folks I want to tell you something. Uh, that journey as we just heard in the Christmas cantata about the various uh, journeys of Christmas. Uh, the journey sometimes take, uh, take us through the wilderness. Uh, the journey sometimes take, uh, take us through uh, difficulty. But God is faithful. God is always faithful and he said to Abraham uh, fear or not. Take your Bibles and go to Exodus chapter 20. Here God is speaking to Moses. He has with his high hand led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. What a great victory it was. And of course the ten plagues that came that finally proved to the people of Egypt that God is greater than their Pharaoh and God is greater than anything that they would trust in. And God has delivered this group of slaves, poor, simple, having no army, and delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. But they did not go directly into the land of Canaan. It was the wilderness that was before them. It was the Jordan on the other side just before the land of Canaan. And though they had had one victory, it seemed that there were many battles between God says to Moses in Exodus chapter 20 and then Moses says to the people and Moses said unto the people fear not for God is come to prove you and that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. You know what he's saying? You're going to be tempted to doubt God. Don't miss it now I'm going to preach right at you. He said, don't you sin by doubting God. I'm preaching at you this morning. I'm saying this morning, God said, I'm going to prove you. And in the time of difficulty, don't you doubt me. Don't you live in fear. Don't you doubt I've come to prove. Don't you sin. Are you listening to me? He said, I want you to have faith in God. I want you to fear not because God's in control even through the wilderness. Take your Bibles and go to Joshua chapter 8. And we'll find this story, dear friend, and we're not going to look at all of them. Some of you who know the Bible and know that it has been said that more than 350 times there are fear nots in the Bible and you're wondering how long the sermon is going to last. We're just now in Joshua. We'll get there before, uh, before 11.30. Joshua 8 and verse number 1. And the Lord says to Joshua, now why is he saying this to Joshua? How would you feel if all of a sudden you became the leader of the great nation of Israel? Now we see them as a great people, but if you were close by, you would have heard their complaining when the bread didn't satisfy. You would have heard their complaining when the water wasn't convenient. You would have heard their complaining when they didn't have what they thought they needed. You'd have heard their complaining when Moses 
Moses left and they said, we haven't seen Moses and we need something that we can worship as a God. And that time Aaron came and he made that golden calf and they had that drunken party and all of the foolishness that went with that. And Moses came and of course God judged the people. Joshua had seen all that and all of a sudden he becomes the leader of those people. I don't know about you, but I would have been afraid. But that's when the fear knots come. Are you listening to me? The fear knots are just to quote in the good times. The fear knots are, just for, are not just for the mountaintops and they're not just for the days of sunshine. The fear knots are for the days of adversity. The fear knots are for the days of difficulty. The fear knots are for today, 2020, when we don't know what's going to change between now and the time we get home. We don't know. I mean, there's so much insecurity in our world. That's why I drink from this book right here as a book of truth, a cool water to a dry and thirsty soul. This book never changes and God never changes. And so he says to Joshua in 8.1, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Don't be confused. Don't be dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given it into thy hand, the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. Here's what I'm preaching today. Every time a time of difficulty and a time of fear would come to his people, God would still them by saying, fear not. In the time of need, God said, fear not. In the time of pending judgment, God said, fear not. In the time of uh, of facing death, God said to them, fear not. I'm in control. And your three greatest times of fear, the time of need, the time of judgment, the time of death, every time God said, fear not. I read to you Isaiah 44. If you'll turn your Bibles, if you marked it at 41, go to 44 in verse number 8 where he says in Isaiah chapter 44 and verse number 8, Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God, I know not any. He tells the people again, fear not. Isaiah 51, turn your Bibles there. You want to mark this uh, 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 verse as well. Uh, Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness. It's important to know who he's speaking to here. Uh, uh, Folks, if you're living in your sin, you've never trusted Christ as Savior, uh, this is a time of fear. This is a time of concern. Thank God those that know him and know righteousness. He says here, the people in whose heart is my law, fear ye not the reproach of men. What about that? Fear not the reproach of men. All you crazy folks that cling to God in faith during times of fear. He says, don't be afraid of those that would reproach thee. Neither be ye afraid of their revelings. In fact, if you'll study this fear not, you'll find it going through the Gospels. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 14, I'm going back to the Father. Don't you let your heart be troubled. I'm coming back. Chapter 16, just before he's ready to ascend. He said, in this world you shall have tribulation. Oh, he said, but be of good cheer. 
I've overcome the world. They're loud at times, and the sin seems to be out of control at times, but it's never out of my control. Uh, he said, I want you to be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You go to the book of Acts in chapter 27, and you'll find he says, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Acts 27, they were in a great storm. That's when the fear nots come is in the great storm. Anybody can say be happy when things are going well. Even the devil can claim to be the savior when there's money in the bank and uh, your health is good and there's no problems. Uh, anybody can cause you to shout then, ah, oh, but it's my God who is in control that can reach down in the times of difficulty and in the times of darkness, in the times of hurt, in the times of pain, in the times of opposition and he's the one that can say uh, fear not anybody can say peace be still when they're uh, sailing on calm waters ah but it's Jesus that can step out on the bow of the boat uh, when the wind is blowing and the rain is falling and the waves are crashing uh, uh, Jesus can say during that time peace be still and he can either calm the storm or he can calm my heart doesn't matter but God is in control and the fear knots are not just given in the Bible as a good Bible study the fear knots are given in the Bible in times of fear I believe they well apply to December 2020 take your Bibles and go to Revelation chapter 1 Revelation chapter 1 Revelation chapter 1, we're coming to the close in Revelation chapter 1. The scene is in heaven. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. It started when I said the start. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. It started when God said the start. But he said, I'm not just Alpha. He said, I'm the Omega. And it's going to go until I say stop. That is the end. The old devil is going to be cast into a... Uh, a hell that was prepared for him and prepared for his angels. Amen. God's people are going to live in heaven for all eternity. Right. I love this verse and I read it in Revelation chapter 1. All the touch of my father's hand on the, at the time of fear. I remember that. The time of fear and my father putting his hand on me and, and, and to calm me. And here the Bible says he lays his hand upon him saying, Fear not, I'm the first and the last. I did some research recently. On Wednesday night I read a list of statistics. I think I read it on the television program last night as well. Those that were born in 1900 and what they faced, World War One. 1914, 1918, Spanish flu, 
1.5 billion people in the world, 500 million infected, 50 million died as a result of the Spanish flu. I forget the number in Kentucky. It seems like it was 30 or 40,000 people. I forget, but it was a large number in Kentucky that died of the Spanish flu. Just after that in the 30s was a Great Depression. Just after that was World War II. Just after that was Korea. Just after that was Vietnam. And I did some research and I looked at not only the events that were going on. I have sermons that go back um, into uh, the colonial period in America. And I like to read what was preached about during times of difficulty. The majority of those sermons were responding to what was going on in the world. I, I read some that said, make sure you save food, the end of time is coming. Now, I'm not against saving food. My grandfather saved food like the end of time was coming from the first garden that he put out. I mean, he had beans in there that were dated 25 years ago, and I was wondering... Why do you raise green beans? You've got enough in there that are 20 years old to eat until Jesus comes. I mean, that's just, that's just the way life was. But as I looked through those sermons, and I looked through the sermons during the Spanish flu, I looked through the sermons of World War II, I looked through the sermons of Vietnam, and especially Vietnam and the fear of communism and, and how churches were... And, and, and I heard things like it's important to build a bunker and, and, and all those things. But, but occasionally I would find a preacher that would just haul off and preach a sermon. Look, if God could take care of them and keep the Assyrian army from coming down, he can take care of us. Now and again I'd find a sermon that said why while they were in the wilderness, at least they were in the wilderness. Pharaoh and his army were drowned in the sea. And God took care of them in the wilderness. They, they, they didn't, eat, didn't eat exactly what they wanted, but God gave them what they needed. You know, I fear sometimes, our greatest fear is not having our needs met, but having our wants met. Fear that sometimes we're a little spoiled, and it's not that we're worried about whether God can provide for us. It's what we're worried about what God's going to feed us when he provides what we need instead of what we want. And I'm going to show you this in closing. As I read through those, and I read this in devotions, I want you to take your Bibles to Psalm number 89. Psalm number 89. I'll finish with this. This morning I read this to the teens at their teen banquet last night. And the psalmist says in verse number one, and let me finish that illustration. As I read those, most folks were just repeating what they were reading in the news. And now and again, a preacher would repeat what God said in his word. And I said, that, that, that's what I want to preach. Anybody can watch the news and read the newspaper for themselves. But not everybody, in fact, I don't think anybody on any news source quoted any of this this week. And if anybody did, they mocked them and made fun of them. I read a story this week, uh, this morning, I read a story where they'd made fun of a former attorney general in America for quoting the word of God. You can make fun all you want, dear friend, but that, that book right there shall stand forever. Amen. Psalm 89, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. 
with my mouth while I make known thy faithfulness. Here it is. I want you to see it. To all generations. Now, does that mean if God took care of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt into the land of Canaan and that generation, and God took care of the generation in the days of, uh, uh, of the kings and in the days of the prophets and in the days of the psalmist and in the days of the coming of Christ and in the days of the church flourishing in the book of Acts and all those generations, does all generation include mine? Sure it does. I'm not going to turn to my children and say, well... We've had a good run. I'm sorry that you're not going to have a very good life. That's foolishness. That's talk of the devil. God said, I'm the God for every generation until I come. Look at some more verses. Verse number 2. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. Now the next time you read your Bible and you find that phrase to all generations, you just go ahead and shout and realize God's in control until the devil is put down. Stand with me this morning. The fear knots are in the Bible. It's a good Bible study. But if you look to see when the fear knots are given... They're given at a time when we would be afraid, but God said, now wait, don't be afraid. I can meet your need. I can carry you through difficulty. When it comes time for death, you'll just depart from this life to life eternal. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here this morning, you do not know Christ as your Savior. You ought to trust Christ as your Savior this morning. I'm telling you, if there was a time to know Christ as Savior, it's now. If you're a child of God and you're not in God's will, today is a day that you ought to make things right with your God. I mean, you ought to make sure that your life is in line and in tune with God this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would be encouraged in this matter of fear not and how and when those fear nots were given. And I pray that you'd help us, encourage us. Lord, teach us to keep our eyes and our focus on the right things and in the right places. Bless our invitation this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.